Good morning. Today's scripture reading is taken from Romans chapter 2, verses 12 to 24. And I'll be reading from the ESV version. Verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, where the conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonour God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. We thank God for his word. Thank you, Zagar, for the reading of God's Word. Uh, let me uh, again apologize for the condition of my voice. Hopefully you can tolerate it all the way through until we're done. Uh, I need to uh, confess to you, and I, and I already know that you realize when I am preaching because you open up the ministry guide and there's no outline there. But there's always an outline in my notes, except today there's no outline. There's no one, two, three, there's no ABC, there's no points. So that doesn't mean you can go home and tell your friends, hey, my pastor preached a pointless sermon. There really is only one big thought, and that thought is this. We drift. We start in one place, depending only on the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then we begin to drift. So let me just remind us of some of the background of the book of Romans. And if I can do so, let me use my experience and thank you again for allowing me to be away for two weeks to spend time with my brother. Uh, he is um, serving in the same kind of role as Bobby Lee in Vancouver, actually in all of British Columbia. But this is his church, Westland Baptist Church in North Vancouver. He's been a lay member of this church for about 20 years. Westland Baptist Church was planted in 1960 when this property was not actually worth $48 million. It had its heyday in the 70s. It grew, the building was full, they had to build an addition, and now they have grown down to 47 members. My brother is one of two lay elders. They have not had a pastor in seven and a half years. And so you can only imagine my, my brother's joy when he was at a coffee shop 
and met a young Chinese guy. And as they began to talk, he realized this Chinese guy was a like-minded pastor of a new group of believers. Uh, they, they had absolutely no different, completely aligned in theology. This was a planter who was unaligned with any other church or, or family of God, and, and he was looking for a building. And so as they began to pray together, my brother said, perhaps you could join us and that would in total revitalize this significant platform for God's glory in North Vancouver. They both prayed about it, they rejoiced, and so my brother brought it to his church, Westland. And 45 members said, hey, listen, uh, Pastor, all of us are immigrants from the UK. This new group, they're different from us. They're all immigrants from Russia. Are you trying to turn us into a Russian church? And worse than that, the pastor is Chinese. What? We are white people. They didn't say Chinese what? They said, he's Chinese, eh? You're trying to turn us into a Chinese pastor, Russian church? That's different. And one of the members even said to my brother, it, it would be so sad if I had to leave my own church. Because the members of Westland Baptist Church have drifted. They, they said to my brother, Pastor, we, we have the resources of this building. They have nothing. This is exactly the same conversation that was happening in Rome in the first century. Because the Jewish Christians were all immigrants from Israel. They remembered the great days when their pastor Jacob, which we know as James, a proper Jewish pastor, was leading the first church. And now all these outsiders had come into the church, outsiders who began not as Jews, good and proper, but as pagan Gentiles. They're not like us. And, and, and so the book of Romans is a response to this question. We are so different. How can we possibly, gracefully, live life together? This is a conversation every church must have when newcomers begin to rob us of the exclusive influence we had on direction. When changes take place, Romans is a book for us, and Paul's response the response that Caleb taught us last week begins with verse 11, God is not partial. He is not partial to any one ethnicity. He's not partial to those who began with something. And so we look at this grace together when confidence fails. And the one question we're going to try and address today is what are we relying on at GBC? How have we drifted away from exclusive reliance on the gospel of Jesus Christ to reliance on other things, self-constructed things that prop up our confidence? He begins then with verse 11, 12, and 13. God is not partial, for all have sinned, Without the law, they will perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law, they will be judged by the law. 
For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who are justified. Speaking of the Jews, the Apostle Paul says, you're going to be judged by that law. The law is not saving you. It is pointing to your guilt because those who depended on the law were not absolutely keeping the law. So having the law, reading the law, listening to the law does not in us create salvation. That's why if your only discipleship is Bible study, that is insufficient. Christians today, we have the Word. Lost people don't have the Word. We have the Word. We have the ESV Word. More powerful than other translations those people. We're, we have it. The Apostle Paul would say, that is not enough. The purpose of the law is not to a measure of salvation, but to measure our guilt. We, we love to say this. Salvation by grace through faith alone. That, that's the hallmark of the apostles' salvation teaching. Is it's by grace alone through faith. And so for us, as we drift, grace can become that doormat that we wipe our feet on. We come back to God, thankfully there's grace. Thankfully there's mercy. I rely on that grace. But the Apostle Paul has so much more to say. This is a difficult word for us. This is a consistent theme. Those of us who want to understand Paul, know, we need to know that his expect, expectation or those who love the law will live out the law. We will demonstrate our affection for the law, not by depending on grace alone, but through our actions. Our actions give evidence of transformation. And so the Apostle Paul had to write the church in Corinth this, do you not realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? You could believe right, but if you believe right and do wrong, that makes you twice guilty. Don't fool yourselves. Those who, and these are all doing things, those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols, who commit adultery, who are male prostitutes, who practice homosexuality, who are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. That's an inner work. You were made right with God. Again, something outside of us. He made us right by his work on the cross, by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus, by his work in us, by the Spirit of our God. Then he had to write them a second time. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of you may receive what is due for what? For what you believe? You, you know how often we have this conversation on the pastoral team? Is this church theologically aligned with us? Do they believe what we believe? We will not be judged by that. But what he or she has done in the body, whether good 
or evil. Again, he wrote the church in Galatia. Now the works or what we do in the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. (coughs) We're okay with that, right? Because that's all other people. But then he starts hitting the church. Enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. We're uncomfortable. Go back to the other people. Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you. You, This is not a scale. They're all on the same level. As I warned you before, those who, what, do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a hard word. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is, what, no law. There is no law on the planet that says, whoa, wait a minute, you're loving too much. You've got too much joy. That's peace I'm uncomfortable with. Stop being so patient. You're way too good. Get out of control. Don't be so self-controlled. There is no such law against these things. And those who belong in Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh and all those things that we used to do With his passions and desires, we live by the Spirit, so let's keep in step. That means keep doing those things that the Spirit would prompt us to do as evidence of our transformation in him. In other words, if you want to understand the Apostle Paul, you need to realize that for him, it is inconceivable that there is any such Christian who is not constantly giving display of the fruit of God's Spirit. He is not saying we are saved by doing good things. He is saying these good things, this glorious fruit of His Spirit put on display in our actions is evidence that we have been saved. Verse 14, he says something even more troubling. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are in fact a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. In other words, there's such a thing as general revelation of what God desires out of humanity. If a nation has no laws, it's just anarchy. The nation is crumbling. Every nation has laws. Singapore is not a Jewish nation. Do we have laws? There's the Singapore courthouse right there. Yes, we have laws, but why do we have the courts? We have the courts because not even Singaporeans obey the law. If you did, we wouldn't need that building, right? We all die, we all perish because none of us keep the law we have. That is the painful truth. We feel like we're better people because we have enforcement. 
It just keeps the courts busy. We all perish because we fail the law. Verses 15 and 16. They show that the work of the law, this general revelation of God's desire, is written on their hearts while their consciousness or conscience, sorry, also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by what? The law? No, by Christ Jesus. The Jewish nation had drifted. Jewish Christians have drifted. I, originally saved by the gospel of Christ, eventually drifted toward feeling good about myself because I was keeping the law that other people weren't. Unlike my friends, I wasn't doing drugs. Unlike my friends, I wasn't stealing from my parents. And I began to feel self-righteous. I, in fact, drifted from the Christian faith right into Judaism. And it happens to all of us. We're saved by the covenant of the New Testament, and once we start feeling good about ourselves, we drift back into the law of the Old Testament. This is Paul's word, inspired of the Holy Spirit, to the people of God. We will be judged by one thing. What have you done with Jesus? Because he will not be a doormat. He lived, he died, and lives again to fill us up completely. And that will not happen unless Ian puts himself in the grave. We will all be judged. This is the gospel. And, and we don't talk about this enough. We talk about the, the effectiveness of the gospel at my point of salvation. We talk about gospel for daily living. But the gospel also includes that one day, on that day, God will judge the secrets of men. How far have you drifted by Christ Jesus? That is good news. Now, I, I know some of you are already tired of this theme. So I almost hesitate to tell you this, but Paul is going to stick with this theme for another 48 verses. Bless you, Pastor Eugene. He's going to take it up next week. You, you, you see, he, he's, he persistently dwells on this topic because I am so consistently resistant to it. I, I am not troubled enough by my own drift, I notice too clearly your drift. This is the message to people who don't realize the biggest problem I have is me. It's not the lost people. It's us. This is his hard word to children he loves. I mean... Everyone else really does have problems, right? May, I mean, this is just a moment of honesty. We're, we're not Buddhist, but we have some pretty good Baptist karma. 
right? We've done some good stuff, especially if you served on a Baptist committee, that's huge karma. If you've served long, like if you're, you're serving a long time, then rest on your karma. You know, retire from serving. We, we act as if we're building up, you know, spiritual advantage by the good stuff we do, not realizing that we've begun to rely on that as if it is our salvation. The fruit of His Spirit, functioning with love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control, that is evidence of my salvation, not that I am pastoring. Not that I teach from Romans. That is not evidence of anything but preparation. But is this pastor gentle? Does he love and care for God's sheep? That is things that don't come naturally to anyone. That is evidence of him. Let's look now at verses 17 through 20. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of the children having the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth. So far, I'm loving this message. If you can imagine the Jewish believers, they're, they're listening to this as it's first read and they're, yeah, that's right. We, we're Jews. Finally, he's getting to us because we boast in God. We know his will. We approve what is excellent. We're instructed by the law and from the law. Now, that's why we're a guide to these blind, who? Gentile Christians. That, that, that's why we're a light to those Gentiles who are wandering around in darkness. That, that, that's why we're instructed to these foolish children, these newcomers. We're, we're a teacher of them. We're, we're the embodiment of knowledge and truth. In, in other words, they had become cats. I, I just have this view that religious people are, are like cats. Um, cats don't struggle with humility. Not sure if you've noticed. Ask Ollie. He, he has cats. Cats think they actually own their humans. Right? So, Cats look in a mirror and, and they, they just see awesome. <laughs> and, and, and this is how the Jewish believers looked at themselves. Not as they were, but how they believed they were. They, they were those people. And I just Googled arrogant and prideful. This is the image. So these Jewish Christians were, were saying the hearty amen, you know, because this is me. I'm reliant on the law, boasting in God. Yeah, I know his will. I prove what is excellent. I'm the guy who guides the blind. I, I'm a light to those who are in darkness and teacher of these foolish children. I'm the embodiment of knowledge and truth. That is so us, GBC. As, as we talk together, I wonder if there's anyone in Singapore who knows the Bible as well as we do. We, we, we're just so unique. 
that, that we are so instructed in the Word of God. We have it. And, and then this challenging word. Suddenly the sermon turns. And the apostle says, so then, you who teach others, do not teach yourself. Is your heart not also instructed by the word? You preach against stealing. Do you also steal? You say that you shouldn't commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? You abhor idols. Do you rob temples? Not, but by the way, that phrase is extremely controversial because we don't want to look back too far in history. We don't want to see how the Christians acted once they started taking over Rome. Once the numbers of Christians dramatically expanded in Rome, we don't want to know that they raided temples, broke idols, took, took money out to fund their own endeavors. We don't want to hear that. But the Apostle Paul knew it. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words. So he reminded them of their founding pastor, Jacob. But be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror and sees awesome. And he goes away. He has forgotten what he looks like. Oh, for some reason, my iPad doesn't have Greek font, but most of you don't have Greek font either. So the word is hypocrita in Greek. Of course, you recognize that's where we get our English word hypocrite. But in the first century, the word hypocrita was a noun for actor who wore a mask and played a part and after his theatrical performance was done, he took off his mask and became who he really was. That's a hypocrita. I've never in all my days of Asia ever heard anybody say, look at that Buddhist, what a hypocrita. What a poser. What an actor. I've never heard anyone say that about a Muslim. But us, we've drifted. We put on our mask, we come to church, we sing our happy songs. Happy or not, want to be happy for each other. We greet one another, then we go home. We played our part. That will not save us. That is not evidence of a powerful, resurrected, living God in us. And so, he says this. You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking it. 
For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. The nations mock God because of you. There are actually terms in Chinese I learned in China that were created just to describe Christian missionaries. They're not nice terms. Sampa means crazy. Came out of the life of a missionary who was so disturbing to the villagers, they called him Samba, three-eighths. Paul is actually paraphrasing the prophet Isaiah, who in Isaiah chapter 52, 5, said this about his people. Now, therefore, what have I here, declares the Lord, seeing my people are taken away for nothing, their rulers wail, declares the Lord, and continually, all the day, my name is despised. Do you not know how the Christian acts matters? When we leave this place, will the fruit of his spirit still be on glorious display? When we take transit, when we meet our neighbors, when we meet with our family over Chinese New Year, are the fruit of His Spirit, is that on full display in our lives? I, uh, I want you to see this picture that I sent our, our pastors. <laughs> this is my brother and I repairing his deck. And... Uh, I made the joke that we're debating. We debated a lot because we're brothers on how this should be done. But we're repairing this deck because this deck has been on my, my brother's home for 40 years and, and, until he fell through He's that, that hole there, his foot made. And th this was a support structure that he had relied on he, he never was worried, Am I, you know, is this going to fail? He, he trusted it until he didn't trust it. And, and you know, when, when our self-constructed support systems fail, you know, it's disappointing. It's, sometimes it's e e even embarrassing. There's shock, you know, and it can be very costly because these boards are made of red cedar, which is expensive wood. It's full of oil. One board, $95. It's costly. When you realize I've got a support structure that's, that really is not going to last. And, and so here's a reflection for us as we prepare to close. What, what, what are you depending on today? Is it your strong religious convictions? Do you feel comfort that you're more right 
than other Christians? Are, are you depending on something that will not last? Perhaps maybe your mastery of biblical knowledge, your nuanced theology? Are, are you depending on your impeccable church attendance? This is the gospel. This is how a disparate people live with grace together. We don't rely on things that will fail. My, my brother and I actually have a secret. We rebuilt two of his four decks. But as we were finishing up the second deck, this is Sherry sweeping down on the stairs. I, I said to my brother, you know, we, we replaced all the uh, decking, but the, but, but the structure is still the same old structure, right? Like, um, the top part might last another 40 years, but the bottom part, isn't that going to crumble? My brother was like, yeah, but... I'll be gone by then. <laughs> It'll fail somebody else. I, I'm, I'm just saying for those of us who are parents or going to be parents, are we training our kids to depend on something that's, that's just not going to last? God judges the secrets of men by the standard of Christ, and this is why the gospel is this. Today, I need to turn back to him. T today, I need to turn from my own self-constructed support system and, and turn back to him. The gospel is this, today, you may have arrived at this place trusting in something other than his work in you. The gospel is this. Today, you also, with your pastor, need to turn back. Will you bow with me for just a moment? Paul's gospel is this. The day is coming when all men and women, all members of GBC, all citizens of Singapore will be judged by Christ Jesus. So what would you today do with him? He now inhabits this space. Would you turn to him? Would you in your heart say, Oh Lord, my heart is prone to wander. I have indeed drifted. Receive me back. And more than that, would you leave this place with a holy plan to each day at the moment of your awaking 
practice this gospel principle. God, I know you have no preference. So I turn to you again. Every day, every moment, every breath, every word I say, equip me to put the fruit of your Spirit on glorious display so that your name may be exalted among the nations. Oh, Father God, we have drifted. As we turn to you now, receive your children. Fill us with confident gospel joy that is you and only you, producing fruit that glorifies you and only you. Do this because it's your pleasure to pour out mercy upon your people. Do this so that your name would be exalted. And so we pray. In the glorious name of Jesus, amen. Let's rise as we respond in this next song. Indeed, there's no other name by which we are saved except for the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. no other name in heaven can be found through whom we are redeemed through whom your grace abounds no other name can save but Jesus Christ our Lord my joy and sorrows tears my strength to cast out fears no other name but jesus jesus my hope in darkest night my broken soul's delight no other name but jesus crucified no other cure for sin but that our Savior died no other hope we have but that he rose
service. Let's take a couple of moments as we remain standing. Let's reflect on what we've heard, what we've sung. Let us now go before God and ask Him to search our hearts. Have we drifted? Are we trusting in uh, structures that cannot support us, that, that cannot endure? How is God calling us now to turn back to Christ, to rest in Him, to trust Him, to follow Him? Gracious Father, we come to you now as we close the service. We pray that you would open our hearts to Christ. We pray that we would be honest with you, with ourselves. Father, help us to stop hiding. Help us to take off the mask of hypocrisy and to turn back to you with sincere hearts. Father, we recognize that we need Jesus. Our good works are filthy in your sight. So, Father, help us to come to you with open hearts to look to Jesus, who is our only hope. And, Father, we pray this for ourselves. We pray that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. We pray that we would be rooted and grounded in love, his love. We pray for strength to know and to understand what is the breadth and length and height and depth, the sheer majesty of Christ and his love. Help us to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we would be filled with your fullness and live lives for your glory. Send us into the world this week with renewed faith in Christ so that we would truly be a people who glorify your name among the nations. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you, if you like a prayer after the service, do come forward. I'll be up front and there'll be elders at the doors as well if you'd like someone to pray with uh, you can take the rest of the time to uh, reflect quietly before you leave downstairs for refreshments we'll see you next week